Hey, yo, what's going on, fam? Thank you for locking in again. This is Clarity Podcast, and today I have an exceptional and quite an enlightened guest with us. His name is Fabian Chagoya. He's an entrepreneur and a health IT consultant, but most importantly, he's a fellow podcaster. You may know him from his show, Sheminger, but if you don't, then I implore you to hit pause right now and check him out, and I promise you won't be disappointed. So, hey, buddy, how are we today? I love it. You checked it out. I appreciate it. That's such a good intro. That's awesome. Well, I'm doing great. It's Friday, but to be honest with you, I always just lose track of the days now. If it wasn't for like podcast release schedule, now going into like this working from home environment, every day just kind of blends together. And I'm like, wait, what day is today? And like people are like, hey, let's meet up on Saturday. I'm like, oh, wow, that's tomorrow. So. Um, it's really cool that we have the opportunity to be able to connect with people for in your case around the world, you know, different time zones and, and still meet up and chat. Like that's something that really the pandemic kind of brought to life for me because I was working at a medical software sales job at that time and we had to go full remote. So we couldn't okay. go to the client's office anymore. So then we had to start using like Zooms or Microsoft Teams and like video calls and it was just so different. I hadn't really used them to like talk and build relationships with people. But it, I started doing that with my family and my friends. And hey, look, now we're here and we get to even exactly. do audio as well. So, yeah, it opened so many opportunities, so many windows into the world. And the pandemic hit hard, but there has been so many blessings along with it. So like you said, it's, it's just a blessing. And first question that arises, you say you used to work. So what does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's, I think a lot of people still think I'm insane, but I actually quit my job to start this new journey. And this new journey being like building a brand, building a business, uh, building a podcast as the main source of like the information and the message and provide value to people because I quickly realized that good money is awesome and selling to like doctor's offices was satisfying because you know they are providing value and helping other people but it just got very corporate it got very like high pressure i mean we're in the middle of a pandemic doctor's offices are struggling with money and they were expecting Mm. us to like call them every day five times and basically harass them for you know a lot of money when they're telling me hey we're not sure we're gonna still be open next month so wow yep i kind of have like I'm, I, we can go into this later more, but I, as a salesman, never really could be that typical sales guy. I, mean, I think it's more so like my background or the way my dad and mom are, but we're just very empathetic. So if someone's mm-hmm. telling me that they're going to have to close maybe their business next month, I'm not gonna sell them anything unless it could be something that will help them make money right away. And it's probably like maybe the first month or two free so they can come mm-hmm. back up and then we can start charging. Like that's how I would have approached something like that. So it's a long story, but uh, you know, it started going against my beliefs. I wasn't able to really be happy. I was just always stressed. I was feeling down and um, my bosses started getting a little disrespectful because I started calling out certain changes that were happening. And I was like, you know what? I, t- I spoke to my fiance, had, it was a, a you know difficult conversation to tell her, hey, I'm gonna be leaving this high paying job, but I wanted to confer with her first because I could have gone somewhere else. And I said, mm. hey, I've been thinking about doing this podcast journey, this 
uh, brand, this message for a long, long, long time now, because uh, as I'm sure as we talk, we're going to hear like that we've had certain struggles that came up from our past. Mm. And it, I feel like they were always holding me back and other things happened, but they always come back to the root of who I was growing up. So I felt like I finally overcame pretty much all of them. And I know how much better my life became after mm-hmm. doing that. So that is why I wanted to kind of like pass it on to other people, especially other diplomat kids. Cause I'm, I don't even know how they're doing nowadays with so much more social media, but uh, that's really was the, the message. I, I decided to take a risk to try this out. I mean, I know I could always go back if I need mm. to, hopefully not. I don't think it will, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, man, to leave something that, you know, you've worked toward, you started building up a career and go completely different, but it, it really is insane how when you do something that you truly are passionate about and enjoy, it doesn't feel like work. I know, right? And wow, so many questions arise, to be honest. Let's take a way back. You talked about parents, you talked about upbringing, you talked about diplomats. Can you tell me a little bit more about all of that? Yeah, so who I am is I'm a Mexican-German. I like to call myself the Germexican, but okay. I was actually born in the United States. So my dad was a Mexican diplomat. He worked for the Foreign Service. He climbed the, the ladder throughout my entire childhood, and he ended up becoming an, a Mexican ambassador. So his okay. first position where he was assigned to was Seattle, Washington, which is where my siblings were born, my brother and sister, and where I was born. And I consider myself super blessed for that because I had the opportunity to get the American citizenship and I would not have had the, right. that opportunity. Otherwise, I would have been a Mexican German citizen, which I still am in a way, even though I don't have a German passport. But it's okay. just kind of cool that just by being born there because he was a diplomat, that gave me so many more opportunities. Oh. And then did you move from that point on? So growing up, for those not too familiar with the, the diplomat world, I'm sure you've told them about it. You tend to move every, I would say, two to three to four years. Three to four probably is the more normal yep. Yep. time. And But sometimes things happen, like maybe there was some drama or an event happened, or maybe you're doing extremely well and they're ha- having problems in another country. So they might call your dad to go there and help out. So that's kind of what happened growing up. So I'm just going to go through it quickly because I could spend, you know how it is. I'm sure you could do it too. <laughs> but so it was Seattle, Washington till I was four. Then it was Miami, Florida. Or sorry, mm. Seattle. I We moved when I was two months old. Stayed in Miami, Florida till I was four. Okay. Um, so then we were US, US. So I grew up with English. Then we moved to Mexico City. They called him back to mm-hmm. his home place. And that was my first experience with school. So kindergarten and in Mexico, they call it special, which is basically like pre-first grade at this private school was, so I did two years there and I learned in Spanish, but it was super advanced. Like the curriculum was super intense. And then after that, we went to Denver, Colorado. So I was like, what, six, seven. And I did first to fourth grade. So, so far, like most of my life, I grew up American, but I had the privilege to travel a lot because my mom and dad would go either to Germany or Mexico every summer to visit family. Like we would alternate Mm -hmm. because they wanted to make sure that we developed that relationship. And while we were in Germany, we would usually end up staying like 
one month, month and a half. Like we basically lived there like all summer long and like that happened every summer. So, I mean, my mom came from this small little village uh, okay. by Munich in Germany. So it was like small town rural vibes basically. And then, you know, we go back to the US and we're like in the middle of a metropolis. So it was really cool having all those different experiences. But after Denver, we ended up going to Jamaica. And that was probably the biggest change and impact because um, we're fairly light-skinned Mexican Germans as is anyway. So (laughs) it's crazy to think that you can go there and you're now the weirdo for being white. (laughs) You know, going to school, walking in and everyone looks at you like you're an alien. (laughs) Yep. And what was was that experience like? How do you feel that shaped you? Because you were old enough to remember things and you were forging yourself, your personality at that point. So how do you think that impacted the way you are today? It... It impacted me a lot and I didn't even realize it yet at that time, which is mm. one of the things that I always try to talk about now is self-awareness. Like I think getting to know yourself is so important because I wish I could have like doubled down on who I was. My problem moving to all these different places, like even like from Mexico to Denver and then Denver to Jamaica, and we'll stop there because that's where I was at the story, was that every place was so different. Every place had their own norms, their values, their traditions, their interests. And kids, kids are pretty narrow-minded from what I've seen, you know? I mean, they just don't have that much experience. So you're in Jamaica and all these guys just want to talk about uh, Bob Marley and, you know, whatever. I don't know. Basic stuff that we didn't have a lot of exposure to. So I'm just like, well my mom listens to opera and you know like my dad uh hangs out with other like ambassadors we just went to uh a a formal dinner and i think we saw like the president of jamaica or something you know and they're like okay are you chinese and i'm like what do you mean like all the rich people are chinese and i'm like we're like i never even really realized that like we were supposed to be rich like i knew we were pretty well off but we definitely weren't rich especially considering the fact that you know my mom couldn't work since they were always traveling so much so Mm -hmm. i mean we lived comfortably but we we never had like what some of the other people had like i I saw some rich people and it was funny because we were rich compared to them and i think that was the first time that i realized where i'm like oh each place is different because when we were in denver we were considered like let's say upper middle class and then okay. in Jamaica, all of a sudden, we're considered like millionaires. And I'm like, guys, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's super interesting. And how do you feel growing up in that triple culture? Because technically, you're German, Mexican, but you also grew up in the US. And so you have that other culture, which is, I'm assuming, completely different from the other two. So how do you feel that shaped you? And how do you deal with that as well? Yeah, man, that's a great question. I feel like one of the things that I'm super grateful for is that my parents kept the traditions and culture alive. So they made us always experience it, respect it. One of the beauties of it was that we always traveled back, right, in the summer, like to see family. So we got to experience that too. But a lot of times, like my dad would speak to me in Spanish and I would answer in English and my mom would speak to me in German and I would answer in English. But we would also have like, For example, I don't know if you've heard in Mexico, they have Dia de los Muertos. Mm -hmm. 
Day of the Dead. So like my mom would set up all the decorations for that because she obviously embraced my dad's Mexican culture. And then we would celebrate Christmas more so like the German style. And it, it was something that I really didn't appreciate until probably like my late teen, early adult years, where it's like, wow, my parents really went above and beyond making sure that we were constantly exposed to the cultures that are our Mexican German side. Okay. Not so much the American side. And I will say that that was almost like a flaw in their parenting because it made us, and when I say us, the siblings, view Amer- Americans as almost uncultured, which mm. they don't have as much unique stuff because it's just mm-hmm. like uh, an amalgamation, right? But mm-hmm. they still have their things. So that was one uh, negative, I'd say. It's very interesting that you used that they have their things, not we have our things. So yep. I can see clearly that you had that upbringing, as you say, like with the two main cultures, Mexican, German, and then there was the other culture that you were actually growing up in and sort of you didn't have much of a choice but to grow up in it. Going back to Germany, how yeah. did you feel when you were going back there every summer and spending that much time there? How was the mentality there and how was it different from where you were before? Yeah, I think it was it was very interesting to me to see one, it was my first exposure to a small town lifestyle. Mental. We would arrive and I mean this kinda happened like in Jamaica, you know, you showed up the first day of school and everyone like crowds around you like, Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I'm sure you felt that. But, yeah. <laughs> um in Germany there that place where my grandma lived we would arrive and then like literally people would be like looking out the windows like you could look into the windows and like they're just watching like because no one really came right to visit it's the same people that live there every single day Mm -hmm. so then the next day people would start ringing the doorbell starting at like 7 a.m 8 a.m and they start bringing like candies they would start inviting us out to get ice cream like we were the what they called in german besuch from america which is visitors from america Okay. And we were like the celebrities. And so it was kind of cool, but it was, to be honest, I was annoyed with it. I'm just like, I don't, I'm just like, just give me money or chocolate, you know? Like, <laughs> so I, I, I didn't want to be like, a normal kid, you. right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. I hear you. Super interesting. So, speaking of that, I'm assuming all of these experiences give you a different view of the world. And they definitely shape how you deal with things. I heard on your podcast that you talk a lot about humidity, for instance. How do you think these experiences have shaped the way you are and humbled you in a sense? Well, it's, I guess I'm going to throw it back to you really quick with one question. It's a short one and then I'll answer yours. When you were going through your diplomatic thing, Uh did your parents put you in like special schools. So what I mean by that is like, there's kind of like these diplomatic schools almost where it's just like, they're you, they're pretty expensive. You have to pay like almost per quarter or semester. And you're mostly like with Americans or Europeans, or did you go to like the schools from that country? It depends on the country we were in, but it was mostly international schools, I'd say. Got it. So. That was, I think, one of the biggest differences that as we started traveling more and we got fluent like in Spanish and I mean, we got to ask part of the story later, but we actually ended up spending more time in my dad still chose good schools, but we didn't he didn't put us in the 
international like exclusive international yep. school. So, so you get, you kind of get where I'm going with this. Like yeah, that yeah, yeah. that really humbled the heck out of me, and I'm actually really glad about it because I know that I would have have even more knowledge and be more ahead in certain aspects if I would have gone to those schools because they are very good schools. They have great curriculums and all this stuff. But I feel like, and there's nothing wrong with it. I just want to make that point clear. I don't view it negatively, but I feel like that's why I'm so excited to have met you because I've, I've barely met diplomat kids ever since I've like moved away from my dad. I know. So, it's, it's They're so hard to come by, man. It's like you yep. never meet them. You never see any of them anywhere. It's like yep. everyone you meet is like just had a normal childhood and you're like, okay, so where are all the kids that I was with at that point, you know? We're staying in touch, man. Yeah, for sure. To to just finish before I lose my train of thought, being able to go to those schools where like the people who have to like travel two hours by bus to get to and in Jamaica, they have literally no money and just being able to hang out with them and see that, you know, they're happy just like running around playing tag and, and just chatting about basic stuff and they're just happy they're satisfied like they don't know more about the world they've never left their hometown they've never gone on a plane and it's like man like look at these guys and i'm like i'm hanging out with them and you know i don't hang out with them really that much outside of school especially as we started going to more third world countries my parents got Mm. a little more particular Mm. but it really made me realize that these people are not that different like they just don't have the access they don't have the access to knowledge and it's okay i mean yes we know more than them but and they're the world is completely different than what they think but at the end of the day they're happy and that was such a powerful moment for me to realize i'm like hey these guys don't have it all but they don't know about anything else so they're happy and it really brought me down because i knew i had great friendships with some of these people that like I guarantee you have like a doctor's family or a lawyer's family that's super well off and they're a little more like elitist. They meet these kids in Jamaica. They're like, oh yeah, my kids cannot hang out with those kids. Mm. Like there would be bad influence or stuff like that. And it just made me realize that not everyone has the same opportunities and stuff like that, but they're still, they're still people and you can learn from them. And I'm glad that I got that really early on because I, I I just worry like if I would have gone to that international more private schools that I would have been very, more like yeah I don't want to hang out with those people they offer me nothing and I don't know but that's that's my take on that yeah yeah for sure I mean super fascinating man because my experience was a little bit different to yours but again it was quite similar in a sense it's weird uh, I'm gonna explain myself the thing is like I went to some international schools where for some reason, I don't know how it worked, but there were locals, especially like we were talking offline about the fact that I was in Africa mostly, as opposed to you uh, when you were in, in South America and America in general. When I was in Africa, I used to attend different, you know, international schools where we had like a lot of locals in them and locals had a different fee to access the school. You know, it was like the fee was was a lot lower. And so they were middle class in their country and we also had people who for some reason seemed quite poor and they were struggling some of them didn't even have enough money to have lunch you know and so 
Although we were in this international environment with a lot of people from pretty much every corner of the world, there were these locals who just got sort of lucky or I don't even know how they got there. And they were our friends, you know? And so the thing that humbled me the most was uh, like these people were never left behind, even by international students. And so there was this unity, I'd say, and nobody went without lunch if the others had something to eat. We would all share, we would all spend time together. They would just join in and everyone was sharing and everyone was just chilling together. And I felt like that was a defining moment in my life because I was 15 and it just gave me like a whole different perspective on, on how the world is. And um, you, you spoke about the happiness that comes out of these places and how people just playing tag are just super happy or just with a fake football playing football in the field and and just having fun just to reminisce about these moments gives me joy because those were like some of the best times of my life and we didn't have much even as diplomat kids because there were countries where like at that point in the u.s access to the internet was super easy access to information was super easy in these countries wi-fi was not even a thing yet we had like LTE or edge internet and it was super slow and super expensive. So you had to make do with so many other things and and just have fun, like real life fun, you know? And yeah, that's totally humbling. That's that's crazy, man. It's it's I mean, first of all, for the viewers, this is just like he said earlier, it's just insane to be able to talk to someone else that has lived a similar life, yet different countries and different stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's just absolutely crazy because i think i don't know how it has been with you in your adult life thus far but um obviously people are absolutely fascinated with it learning how to like tell the story well is a game changer it gives you so many advantages because it's so unique but most people just don't get it like they just can't comprehend all of the challenges the crazy things that happen like they just it doesn't make sense to them because they've not like they've maybe moved once in their life and it was just to a different suburb so this is kind of crazy for us to be able to share this. <laughs> for sure, man. It's, it's insane. Because you also talked about something earlier on that was super interesting. You say, like, during the day you were chilling with your Jamaican friends talking about Bob Marley. And then uh, later that evening you were chilling, like, at this event with probably the president of Jamaica. And that happens a lot when you're in that, in that environment. I mean, we were invited to those events at least twice a month twice, three times, four times a month. And I, at some point I stopped attending because it was definitely not my vibe. But you know, when you're young, you, you tag along. And I remember like those events, there were a lot of important people. Like when, whenever like the president of the US or whatever country you're, you're from comes to visit the country that you're in, you are very likely to meet him at some point because the, especially if you're in a, in a country where the community of the country you represent is very small. And so those events are completely normal to us. And at that point, it never really felt like it was a big deal because you do that and then the next morning go to school and chill with your friends who are from the craziest suburbs in the city. And it was just, it was life basically. It really is crazy to me to think, but you're right. Like you just, you don't even really think about it as a kid because you just don't right. have that like self-reflection built into you yet. And But you literally are doing that day in and day out. And that's just kind of crazy. To, it really is like thinking about it right now. I'm like, yeah. No. Yeah. 
It's insane. Um, let's let's take it back to your podcast where you talk to your brother, and on on the episode that I, I listened to, you talked about vulnerability and being vulnerable in certain situations and how that can bring value into your life. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and that perception? Yeah, I think there's this inherent lack of people being honest and authentic right now in the world. And I mean, I know I saw it with like certain other diplomats and, you know, you see all these important people and a lot of people are like playing the networking game and appearances. But I think where it really comes from is growing up like this, it was very challenging. No one had a guide or there wasn't like a YouTube video. Hey, maybe we got to do that. There wasn't like a YouTube video that has like how to survive as a diplomat kid or a family like that. I know there's like military families and I think those are a little more common and known in the US. But even I was just thinking about it recently, like when I was doing these stuff with like my brother and things, my parents didn't have like a path a guy in front of them either like this was like my mom now had to move to every new country and didn't have a job and and you just jump right into it right it's crazy it's like you know you're not prepared you just dive right into it it's not like you take five years of college where you're learning about how to become a diplomat in another country because you can't be prepared for whatever you're going to be landing at, at some point it's not like you can choose whichever countries you go to either There's, exactly. there are no guidelines for that So that part is kind of where it makes me realize that one, I mean, I respect the heck out of like my parents for raising us and creating, uh, making us do, do well in life because I feel like it's really hard when you are just trying. Because now as an adult, you know, I'm, I'm 29, I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I'm just always figuring it out day by day. And I'm like, wow, they were doing that when we, they were moving to different countries. I'm like, that's kind of insane to think about. Right, you know? right, yeah. But... To answer your question, finally, the being the vulnerable piece, because we didn't know all this stuff, like we all kind of just like winged it. But there was a lot of things that probably affected us that we never even realized or that we never really talked about because I feel like most people just don't have very real conversations right now, especially about things that are kind of uncomfortable. So, you know, let's talk about when you're moving so much. I mean, I didn't even realize it until very recently, but leaving every country and losing all my friends and let's say like any girls that you were maybe interested in or stuff like that and then boom you got to start over and then now you're the the weird guy sometimes maybe people might be interested in you because you're weird but they're interested in you because you're weird not because of who you are and then now you're i had this problem where i started building insecurity because i was always like people would be like oh well this is weird about you. Well, oh, why does your voice sound like that? Why do you have an accent? Why do you say things like this? Why do you do this like that? And, you know, as a kid, it starts getting to you. I'm like, I mean, think about it. Like if I could go into my body back then now, I'm like, I would be kicking asses in the school because I'm so confident who I am. I'm so unique. I love it. I'm embracing it. But back then I'm like, oh no, I'm going to try to be more like these Jamaicans or these Ecuadorians or stuff like that. I'm mm. like, why, you know, but I really started having uh, commitment and attachment issues. So what do I mean by that? I didn't want to commit to anyone or get really close because it opened myself up to just getting hurt again. That I didn't even realize I was traumatized about that. Like every time like I really like people, I just lose them. 
And I'm just like, oh, well, the, the only way I would get close to someone is like, if I know that they're not going to leave me. And that's how can you, you can't ever guarantee that. So it just made a, a terrible loop where I became very guarded. I could befriend everyone, but I never really let them in. And that's what I mean, like being vulnerable, having just what I said right now, most people could would never say that. They would never admit to that. And once I started talking about it and sharing it with like family, friends and other people, and I started overcoming it, it just was a game changer. So that's kind of what I, I was going for. I'm like, I think more people should have these conversations because I think most people are going to be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I'm sorry you felt that. And they might even have advice for you. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, it's it's crazy because there's another aspect of, you know, moving, which is the bullying part. It's like, that's something we never talk about because like you said, if you're lucky, you're considered the weird guy. But if you're not that lucky, uh, you can be just considered the weak guy. And if you're the weak guy, then, you know, you get pounded on until you make it through. And that certainly like leaves a lot of trauma behind. I remember when, when we moved to to all countries actually, but from the moment I can remember, you know, to avoid being the weak guy, I had to become the bully of the bully of the school. And that was like sort of my tactic. It's like everywhere we moved the first day or like the first week of school, I just go to the bully or like the big guy of the school and try to intimidate him so that he would just leave me alone for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? And this is the kind of thing, the kind of pressure that you have on yourself when you're just a kid and that comes from moving a lot. And like you said, like losing all that you've known and all the friends that you've made and whatever, the connections you've had. And we're the same age, so it was even harder back then because there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram. You couldn't really keep up with the people that you left behind. There was MSN at some point. There was a lot of technology that you couldn't use everywhere you went so if it worked in the u.s it, it didn't work elsewhere so uh, myspace was only popular in the u.s it was not anywhere else so if you know you moved countries and the people you were friends with were not that comfortable with technology then you just lo lose touch and and lose them forever in a sense that's what we were talking about like you said all these diplomat kids well where are they right now <laughs> and that's because we, up, lost, guys. we lost them all we're looking though. for you <laughs> yeah hell yeah man i was lucky enough to keep a few of them i have like two of my best friends actually were well no one of them was not a diplomat kid but she moved a lot but the other one was a diplomat kid and is in the u.s right now and we managed to keep in touch and you know because we have a lot of things in common soccer for instance or you know sports movies and stuff we try to 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 keep in touch and uh i'm lucky actually his his the oldest friend that i have and you know you've known each other for 15 years but that's like literally an exception you know yeah. it's super rare and um yeah but it's so hard to just get attached to people like you said and be vulnerable and well you said it best because it's an uncomfortable situation to be in but also an uncomfortable topic to talk about and to open up about well, I want to throw a few things before I'm sure you have another question about me. I thought it was really yeah. cool what you said about the keeping in touch with people and technology part, because it just reminded me how when we moved from Denver, where, you know, 
things were starting to pick up, but technology was, it was like what, early 2000s maybe? So it, it wasn't anything crazy, but internet was a thing. And then we moved to Jamaica and it was like this super slow dial up where if anyone picked up the phone or a phone call came in, it disconnected you. And Absolutely. I think it only was active for like an hour. And then you had to like reconnect and it made that crazy sound and all that stuff. And yeah. it was just like, oh, like sharing it with my brother and sister where we had to do like projects and schoolwork was a nightmare. Sometimes we had to like go to my dad's office to like work That's there. That's exactly what we used to do, man. That's exactly what I used to do. I never did any homework at home. I had to go like every Friday afternoon to my pop's office and you know, look up stuff and then download some whatever music like LimeWire or whatever, and then bring it back home and chill with it, you know, because it was, yeah, like you said, it was, it was impossible to do it any other way anyway. My dad said, absolutely no international phone calls. There's no way <laughs> you, I'm paying for that just so you can yeah. hang out with your friend and talk about Pokemon or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Pokemon was popular at that time. Yep. yep. Man, crazy times, man. Okay, super By the way, interesting. So, yeah. Soccer. Yeah. I'm a big soccer guy. Obviously, my dad was big in soccer too. Who's your team? Okay. Oh, Barcelona. Bar- Ooh. I mean, <laughs> Bayern. Bayern Munich. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. figured. You say it, you, yep. your mom was from Munich, and yep. I was like, yeah, he must be a Bayern fan. <laughs> yep. 100%. 100%. Got, got the flag right over there. But Oh, for real? But, I got I got my Barcelona flag right over there. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I was just going to say, it was a really cool thing to grow up in all those countries, and soccer was just the thing. So, like, that was, like, an easy way to connect with the random people everywhere. Like, if when we were in Jamaica, people, I was on the soccer team. Then I kind of stopped being on the soccer teams because <laughs> we just were more indoor. But Mexico, soccer... Ecuador soccer, Guatemala, like all these places, people played soccer. So it was really easy to connect with them over that. Damn, man, that's so true. And you know what I I usually say when people tell me like, how come like, you know, you're American and you like soccer and let's be real, not a lot of Americans like or watch or even play soccer, except for girls. Women are really good at it, but um, And, you know, I always get the question, how come soccer? And I'm like, well, that was technically the only sport that I could watch without having to wake up at four in the morning. So, yep. you know what I mean? It's like it's yep. time difference and jet lag is huge when you're when you're outside of the U.S. And so, yeah, soccer was just the easiest sport to get into. And it was also the most popular. And aside from that, sports, once you get into them and once you get attached to a team, it kind of becomes like your second family. And for me, it was a coping mechanism because it helped me cope with changing sceneries and changing environments. It's like everywhere I went, I didn't have any of my friends anymore, but at least I had my family and I had that like soccer and I had my music. And that was like my bubble to just keep on being myself. So soccer and hip hop are definitely like everything to me. And they literally like helped me cope and actually grow as a person. I'm curious just because this kind of happened with us. I mean, especially starting around Jamaica, where it's like you're living in this country that is not necessarily the safest in like the capital city, which was mm. Kingston. Like if you're in the tourist area, perfect. But so my parents didn't really want us, me and my brother and sister to go out as much. So we kind of became more secluded already. I mean, we got really close to the family. Like our family had such a great relationship. We were so close. 
And I think that's something I would be curious to know how that was with you too. But we kind of were magnetized or like attracted toward more indoor things. So like board games, my brother was into Dungeon Dragons from like my cousin. I and my my siblings too got more into like video games because we could just like co-op play together like because we couldn't really go out so we did those kind of stuff so I'd be curious to know if that kind of happened to you because you know I don't know if did your parents not let you hang out with like random people and sketchier to be honest um not really I was an outdoorsy person I was very outdoorsy and so I was I used to spend all my time outside except for weekends weekends i had a choice between going out with the parents and the siblings or staying home and playing video games with my sisters and so that's what i used to do most of the time because i was kind of not allowed to go out on weekends up until a certain point but i was when i was really young i was not allowed to just stroll around town and and you know because of you know your skin color the way you look uh, and every, pretty much everywhere you go people can see that you're not from there so it's it, it can be tricky to yep. to handle so um no nah, i was i was an outdoorsy person because my parents when i was at least in my teenage years they were totally cool with me just not getting into trouble but they let me sort of forge my own personality and just do things the way i've I wanted to because they knew that lifestyle that we we grew up in was not easy to navigate. So they had to sort of compensate. And that's where the freedom came from. That's cool. I like that. I had a guest like just earlier this week and her parents were in the military. So basically she grew up a little bit like us, although it was like for shorter periods and she was mainly in Europe. So it was not really... That was not a huge culture change. That being said, we talked a little bit about the therapeutic side of podcasting and the therapeutic side of just being able to communicate all of these things instead of just keeping them within you. How do you feel podcasting is helping in that sense, not just us, but most people and not just podcasters, but people who listen to to these podcasts? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I don't even really thought about it, but deep down, I knew that I had thought about it. <laughs> I just haven't <laughs> expressed it yet. Um, podcasting or these kind of mediums, uh, video, like the, the, I, a little rant, like I never got attached to social media anymore recently because I know that because of my upbringing and this desire to like make new friends, I had this desire to be liked. So I became like, I almost needed this external validation from other people just because like you move somewhere you're like you want everyone to like you and befriend you quickly so i'm just like oh god like just thinking back to when i would like post vacation pictures and there's nothing wrong if you are proud of it right but i did it and like oh man like look at all the comments and likes i'm like i just it was bad now i'm like i don't care i just i don't need it anymore uh if if only my close inner circle will even know that i went when did that happen the switch uh probably like three, four years ago. Like I went on a really intense self-improvement journey and I'm just like, yeah, this is, excuse my lines, but I'm like, this is bullshit. This got to change. I'm like, this, this is bad. Man, it's, it's insane. It's like about three, four years ago, I came to the exact same realization and I did the exact same thing. And prior to that, I was trying to build a following and I built a following. I hit like, I think 10K at some point on Instagram 
because I was posting like all of these pictures that I collected through the years from travel, from being in different countries, different cultures, food, this and that. And I was doing that. And I was, like I said, looking for a certain validation from the outside world. And also I was trying to communicate um, my lifestyle, knowing that people wouldn't get it. But I was still trying to communicate that. And up until three, four years ago, just like you said, I took a step back from it. And I just realized, like they said, that I didn't need it anymore. Now I'm like the most private person you'd know because I don't want to tell people about anything that's happening in my life. But it's just crazy because like we're the same age and we've had pretty much the same upbringing and we came to the same realizations at the same time. I'm seeing um, a certain <laughs> pattern here, man. <laughs> and I'm yeah. wondering, like, if all, like, diplomat kids go through these same life phases. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good question. I mean, for me, kind of what started triggering it was, uh, it was I was starting to have success in my personal life, professional life. I started realizing that I wasn't really feeling satisfied. I wasn't really happy with my network, but I didn't really know otherwise. So I started, like reading more books, watching more videos, like hearing and talking to a lot of people. I love talking to people. So I started like hearing different perspectives, like what they do. I've always was very curious. So I'm starting to like realize that, oh, you know, you can think differently. You don't have to do this. You don't need these people. And once you start like ask, like, for example, I mean, this is crazy to say, but like in the past, I, I've always enjoyed a good drink or two or more. (laughs) And I know that my parents were not big into that for their own reasons, but they always were worried about that. So like if my mom called and like, I was like, was like, well, what did you do this weekend? I'm like, Oh, I stayed home. And I literally had like two parties and it was insane binge drinking or something. And I was just so worried about like disappointing them. And now I'm like, well, I had a crazy party, mom. Nothing happened. I celebrated. I invited everyone at home, but I definitely uh, drank one too many tequilas or something. And it just it started changing my perspective when I realized, you know, you can think differently. Maybe other people have realized this way earlier, but like, then you, you stop caring about what people think. You stop needing that validation. I'm, I don't like you said. I don't know if exactly if it's just like the diplomat kid life, but because we like lived all that so early on like so front loaded we were bombarded with so many experiences maybe Mm -hmm. it just i think like a lot of people get these realizations when they're like maybe 40 or 50 and like we are like we already lived like 40 50 years of life (laughs) exactly that's what i used to say man like i don't say it anymore because it's not the most humble thing to say i guess (laughs) but when i was a lot younger i was way different like as as a person and humility was definitely not my strong suit when i was you know 18 17 because i had that exactly what you said um you realize that even when you're 18 you've been through things that people go through when they're 40 and like you said the, the party life even just the way things are done in that sphere are just completely different to a normal life. And so you realize these things super early on. And if you fail to adapt, then they can be traumatic. <laughs> it's just but, so interesting to me that we can both relate to it. It's It really is. I mean, I don't think the viewers realize how insane this is right now. Like to hear this, like, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> but it is, man. I just want to finish the answering your question because I know I'm terrible yep. about going on side tangents. <laughs> I just... I just know I'm just excited to be able to share like fellow diplomat kid stories, but 
the reason why I'm so excited about podcasting and really like for me, yes, it's a podcast, like what I'm doing and I know what you're doing as well, but I view it as more so just like getting the voice out there in today's day and age. Like now I can use social media, I can use YouTube, I can use written form, I can use podcasting to really just share the message. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about like what goes on. I know like everyone I've met right now that I'm like releasing this, like they haven't heard from me in like literally like three years. And I'm like, hey guys, I'm releasing this podcast now and all this stuff. And they're like, oh wow, like you've changed a lot. I'm like, well, yeah, you just yeah. never knew, you've never known me and I've never really let you know me. So, but it's just really cool to be able to share that message with people, uh, get people to know the real you. And I just know that there's people like, the hardest part is reaching and finding the diplomat kids. But there's, it's like, I know of a few of them, like even if they're just growing up, if they stumble upon our podcasts and can listen to this and even just take a few nuggets of wisdom, I know we're going to change their life so much for the better because they get to hear our failures, our lessons and apply them way before we could have. And I think that's powerful. Like being able to do that, that's, I mean, people ask me like, are you doing it for the money? I'm like, I want it eventually. But for me, really, it's just being able to help other people not deal with that bullshit that I dealt with, like pretty much 18 to like 25, 26. Like that time period was so, I mean, it was, I had a fun time, but looking back, I'm like, it was pretty it was dark, like fun. where my head was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. That's exactly why I called my podcast Clarity, because that's exactly what I want to bring. I want to bring clarity to whoever is listening and on whatever topic and i'm glad we got into this topic because to be honest i don't talk about the diplomat life and even like travel you know living as a nomad is as much as a lot of people would expect they go like you know that's exactly that's your lifestyle so you probably should talk a little bit about that and i think prior to just talking to you now i never realized how powerful uh this kind of format this very easily consumable content can be to these kids that we sort of forget about because they're a very thin minority and it's powerful in a sense you touched a little bit on authenticity and actually this week i recorded a, an episode that i'm going to post i think in the next week about authenticity and how hard it is in today's day and age to be authentic because i look at it from a, a marketer's point of view because I'm a marketer and when you, you walk into a new corporation or a new startup, everyone sort of wants you to do what the rivals are doing, you see. And so it's super hard to just be like, nah, they're doing that, but we can do better or we can do different. And I feel like the world today is kind of shaped around that idea that authenticity is not just hard to come by, but it's hard to apply. So. I don't know if it's the upbringing, the character, the person, but where do you think that capability of embracing authenticity comes from? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's one of the five keys that I uh, will continuously talk about in my Challenger brand and podcast. I think literally to changing your life, to being happy, successful is embracing authenticity. And what I would call it is you're just happy with yourself. You accept yourself, you love yourself. And that's really hard, but to get to that, you have to work on in conjunction, which is not caring what other people think. So like, just an example, I mean, I know people don't see video in yours, but like 
early on as a kid, I was maybe four or five was when we were in Mexico City. I was playing a piggyback ride with my sister. And it was at my grandma's house in Mexico. And there was like these bouncy like couches, like they were really soft and bouncy. So like I fell on it and I bounced off of it into one of those old school large TVs that had these super, super sharp corners. And I completely cut my forehead by my eyebrows. And ever since then, my eyebrows never really grew back super well. Like I have some hair, but it's not a lot. And plus my mom always had very thin eyebrows too. So like growing up, people, I mean, I don't want to call them out, but like my dad, my aunts, friends, other people would be like, well, why don't you just do something about your eyebrows? Like, you know, you can pay someone to like get fake eyebrows or stuff like that. Or people be like, what's up with that? And, you know, growing up as a kid, there was like insecurity about it. But then once you flip it and you're like, actually, no guys, no assholes. Like uh, this is unique. unique. Like I'm the only one who has that look. I'm the only one who has this and you embrace it. And people are like, oh shit, he's so confident about it. Like they have nothing on you. And you can just be you because I've accepted myself and I stopped letting other people put their insecurity into my head. And that was like a game changer once I realized that I didn't think that my look or my eyebrows were weird. Other people made me think that. Mm -hmm. So once you have that realization, you can stop caring about that. And I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And obviously I don't want to take up the entire time just talking about some of the other themes, but it really is, it's, it's accepting yourself 100% because what usually ends up happening is that people become insecure because they're hanging around the wrong people. And I think mm -hmm. I had the privilege of realizing how easy it is to cut off people because I did that my entire life by force, not by choice, you know, like moving, you end up basically cutting off these people. So you stop hanging out around them you really become who you surround yourself with 100%. So like, for example, my last job was a medical software sales job, which is with most people are like 40, 45, 50, like people are experienced. They're smart. It was hard to get into. And I know I improved my habits and everything because you know, you're surrounded by these people. You're not hanging out around with like 21 year old party kids anymore. Like my previous sales job. So you start changing, but when these people are constantly telling you like, oh my God, you have to be this way or you have to be this way, it starts breeding that insecurity in you. So if you cut them out and you surround yourself with people, and I actually didn't believe it was possible, that support you for who you are. Like I found a really good friend group at the apartment I was living and some other people that I'd met, but I was very particular about who I brought in. They just cheered me on no matter what I was doing, who I was. They never like complained about me, said you're weird or all this stuff. And all of a sudden I realized I was gaining more confidence. I was proud to be myself and kind of like almost having a bubble and only listening to yourself and maybe like one or two people that really love you and support you. And it was kind of crazy to see that once I cut out all that noise from other people, I didn't think negatively about myself anymore. So I was actually proud about myself. Like so many people don't like singing in front of others. Why? Because someone probably made fun of their voice. Mm. Did they think that they were a bad singer when they were a kid? Probably not, you know? So that's just, I could keep going, but that was kind of like the key for me. I'm like, you got to start loving yourself. And how do you do that? You stop caring what other people think. And how do you do that? You make sure you audit your network. Fascinating stuff, man. The confidence is definitely one of the keys to happiness, I'd say. Because once you get to that level, and like you said, once you get to a state of mind where you actually accept everything about yourself, everything changes.
and everything around you changes and your perception of the world changes. But you say something super interesting, cut off whoever is toxic in your circle. And like you said, it's probably a lot easier to us because we got used to it because we had to operate that way for a long while. But again, whenever I'm facing someone who complains about these things that you're talking about, they're surrounded by family members, sometimes friends who bring them down, who make them feel like shit, who make them feel like they're not doing enough, who make them feel uninspired. I just go like, but it's super easy. Like the solution is just to cut them off and to, to hold on to those who bring out the positive side of you or make new friends. Not too long ago, I was on Quora and this person who was like in her 50s was like, I like what you said, but it's not that easy for everyone. And so we started going back and forth. She was like, yeah, I'm 50, so it's not easy to just go out and make new friends. So you got to stick to the ones you have, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, you don't. I mean, you're 50 years young. It's like you have like another 50 years ahead of you. You're just halfway there. So why not just embrace the fact that you got to 50 with a lot of baggage and now you just got to load it off and either like just go on on your own and learn how to be on your own and just love who you are and be by yourself or do that and on the side will try to meet people who are like-minded. And it feels like when I say that, it's a completely foreign concept to the people that I say it to. 100%. You know, sometimes, I don't know, it's frustrating a little bit, especially when it's people that you care about. If it's someone on the internet, then you go like, well, whatever. But if it's someone you care about and you see them struggle with that kind of, you know, low confidence, low self-esteem, and you know where the problem stems from, and you know that they can do something about it and they don't, it's super frustrating. So how do you go about that? Like in that situation? Yeah, man. I mean, that part really resonates with me because that's why I actually started this challenger thing real. I know I said to help people overcome it, but the problem that I had run into was I knew how good it felt overcoming these things and realizing the solutions. And it's actually repeatable. Like people are like, how do you get self-esteem? How do you get self-awareness? How do you get more happy? How do you get less insecure? Like there's actually ways, like I feel like, you know, you were saying like there's more and more things and there's different methods, but what yeah. you're preaching and what I was saying is literally a very effective method. It's scary for a lot of people, but it's effective. Right. So my problem was that I knew how intoxicating how good it felt to be like free you know the slogan that i use in challengers be you be free stay amazing you know and the problem came was that i started talking to a lot of people and like recommending it like being like hey man like have you ever realized that like your your dad is like making you feel really insecure and they're like dude what the fuck man like they took like offense to it and i'm like yep. The, the, the difficulty was like bringing it up and like you want, especially the people that you care about. And like, for example, like I would hang out with my brother and, you know, sometimes, and this sucks to say, but like my, some like my aunts, my uncles, like sometimes even my parents would be like, well, you figured it out. Why can't your brother? You know, cause like he definitely struggled with like, he hadn't had that like realization that we had yet uh, mm. as soon as we did. So I would like try to talk to him and I like it. I know that it sucks that with someone, every time you talk to someone's like, Hey man, like you should 
work on like changing your, your surroundings you know like you every time you hang out with someone if they're telling you that or bringing it up like <laughs> yeah you need it but it almost is like you don't want to hang out with that person anymore because they are constantly telling you hey you need to like change and i was trying to be soft about it but i know at the end of the day that they don't view it that way they're just like oh you're telling me that i'm broken and i need to so that was i feel like my struggle where i was like oh but what if i now do it like this they can choose to listen and on their own they because at the end they have to want it you can tell someone all day hey do x do y but if they don't want it deep down so i feel like yeah, this you, can't, you can't save thing, anyone who is not willing to save themselves right yeah so that's why oh, i yeah. feel like this this medium lets us spread the message and they can listen to it and eventually they're going to listen and they're going to be like oh man Oh man, and then I, I was hoping like the more people that come on that have similar experiences and be like, well, I did this. And then let's say they started listening in January and then how are they on it around October, November? Like, can people see a dramatic mm. difference? Yeah. If so, like that's proof in the pudding, man. And yeah. that, that's kind of my yeah. hope, but that's that's what resonated with me. Cause you're right. People definitely are like, it's not that easy. And I know it's not, but well actually yeah it's just sometimes it is man sometimes it's frustrating because you feel like yeah it is i mean you just gotta do this and and that's it but yeah i mean once again earlier on you talked about empathy and and compassion and although when you're frustrated and you want the best for someone and you feel like that person is not doing what's necessary quote unquote to get to that best then it can be frustrating and you can become a little bit blinded by your desire to make them feel better you know what i mean i usually struggle with that because i'm like if it's easy to me then it's supposed to be easy for whoever but it's not how it works i feel like we cannot separate our upbringing our character our nature and the fact that we are able to do these things and we're definitely privileged in that sense because we read books listen to podcasts watch videos that helped us reach this state but again I think we're also very privileged because we had great parents, from what I can tell at least, and they taught us so many valuable things that a lot of people probably lack in. And so it's a double whammy and it's it's twice as hard to make it past these things. I think that's the perfect summary. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy because I think most people are like, wait, that's one of your struggles in life? Like you struggle with like how to like help other people like overcome some of their issues, like the best way to like say that. Yeah. And all that. I'm like, yeah, guys, it really is a struggle. <laughs> exactly. I want what's best for people, man. And I'm and I'm doing everything in my power to 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 get there. But um, there's this crazy thing, which is when people pay for a service or when people hear it from someone external to their circle, then they tend to believe whatever that person is saying more than they would hear it from a partner or a parent or a sibling. You said something that really is something that I'm trying to preach to all, all the people I know. I'm like, why do we put this so much emphasis and value on people that don't know us it's absolutely insane if you think about it and it was tr it's true it's just i know that i've caught myself someone's like someone that has never met it's like man you're such a good speaker and i'm like oh man that means a lot but like my fiance or my brother or my parents can say it every week and i'm like oh thanks and just there's like almost like oh you're just saying it just because and i exactly. think that's something it's hard to move away from that and the i think now i don't view it that way anymore because mm -hmm. Um, since I don't, 
it's a, kind of a curse but since i really just don't care at all what other people think i'm like yo i'm doing my thing i i know i'm happy about my thing if you don't like it well that's on you so the only people that i value their opinion are the people that know me best very few people know me i mean it's crazy man but like when i started going on that journey three to four years ago my parents didn't even like they're knowing learning more about me every episode and like live stream and stuff <laughs> that i do than ever before because like i would share a little bit but they would see me maybe once or twice a year and they don't want to just talk about this stuff you know like well how yeah. you doing how's life you know and so they're really starting to get the insight into who i am and i'm like that's why i tell people I'm like my parents maybe right now know me like 60 70 percent but just like two three years ago they maybe knew like 30 percent of who i am and that's crazy like those are my parents so i'm like why am i going to listen to stranger joe random 20 you know that knows me two percent and like why will i also put his opinion about my skill set more than someone who really knows me so that's just kind of how i took that approach it works differently for everyone but it helped me it's crazy because i just realized my parents know probably 20 percent of me because <laughs> they, they don't know this podcast is on they don't know any of that and so they absolutely don't know any of this everything that we're talking about about me because like you said we never really talk about these things we have a great relationship and we talk about so many different things but it's never really about the person that i am or that i've become it's like i've moved out 11 years ago and so from that point on i just i had to unlearn so many things and to relearn them in a different way and i just became the person i am today so every time we talk or we see each other I definitely see them as I used to before through a different spectrum, but I feel like they know me through a completely different lens. That's so interesting, man. I think it's kind of sad and I'm trying to change this in general, like in my extended network is that people just don't really have real talk. Like they rather just talk about like the Super Bowl and the weather than like, hey man, like, well, let's talk about like, you know, how was it being a diplomat kid? like. Tell me, yeah. like, what is that? Like, and it's kind of sad to me that people don't have, I know you can't always have like these intense conversations. Like there's a time mm -hmm. and place for it too. But when you say like your parents don't know you, I'm like, you know, it's crazy because they really didn't either. And like, I was just thinking most people just never knew me. Like it really was kind of, it blew my mind that uh, I think that's one of the biggest reasons also why I'm doing this because people would underestimate me, take me for granted, think I was like a lot more mediocre than I was because there was like so much complexity and I feel like it's the same for you just because of our upbringing. Mm -hmm. But you can't really like necessarily show that right away unless you brag about it, but you don't want to be like, you want to be humble so you don't brag about it. <laughs> Exactly. You don't, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy who's always talking about it. And so you just keep it to yourself and just to make sure others are comfortable around you. Yeah. You feel like you were kind of more so like in your social settings, like the caretaker, like you wanted to make sure like everyone's doing okay and like hanging out and being able to fit in and, or was it different? Nah, I was, um, I was doing my thing. To be honest, I was always into yeah. doing my thing because, like you said, I was not trying to get attached, but I still managed to, uh, you know, keep a few friends around. And yeah, I always wanted to do my thing. And I feel like that's something that most people around me at least recognize in me. I knew early on that that was who I was and I was not trying to, I was not trying hard not to be, to be honest. I like that. 
I'm curious because I, I have a short story to share about to, to finish with the parent thing is that sure um I guess I'll just finish with this cool story is like we were living in yeah. Ecuador at the time and we were getting our ass kicked by like it was the best school in Ecuador but it was like the one for Ecuadorians and it was like this half private school like it wasn't super expensive but they kind of like weeded out a lot of people so that was the only time ever in my entire life that I struggled academically. Like I did okay, but like it was a, a zero or a one to 20 grade system. Wow. And I got, you had to get 15 or higher. So 75% to pass wow. the class. Okay. And they, the teachers intentionally made it very challenging. And the expectation was that every student needs to have their own private tutor. And at the end in the summer, if you didn't have 15 or higher, they had what they called supratorio, which is basically a, what they, it's a, a supplementary test. And if you didn't pass that test, or that would get your grade to above 15, you would mm -hmm. fail the year and you'd have to repeat the year. So they, the entire year, literally the first day of class, they would tell you, hey, who's gonna, everyone should have the goal of no supratorios this year. You're like, what the heck? Like, they're already talking about people failing. They won. I know. It was just wow. insane. Like, going to the, I mean, I failed some. And then I'm showing up. And I was like, is, I looked at my brother and sister. I'm like, is this a regular school day? Like, it was the math day. Literally, like, I would say 90% of the school was there. I'm like, that's a problem, you know? Yeah. Like, that's a major problem. Like, yeah. But anyway, so it got really bad. And my brother and sister were to the point where they were about to go to, they were going to go into their senior year. And my sister convinced my dad that she didn't want to study in Ecuador college. She wanted to go to the US okay. or Europe. Mm. So he managed to get us to go to the United States. So we went to Seattle, Washington, where my cousins live. But uh, we got, he had this like apartment, he was doing real estate. So we stayed there and my mom went for one year until my brother and sister were 18 and could take care of me. And then I stopped living with my parents at that point. So when I was like 16, 17 okay. ish, somewhere wow. around there, I stopped living with them. So I was going to ask you, cause that's what happened to me. It's like, I feel like between that point and later, like I was self-taught a lot. Like I learned a lot of things by myself because like my parents set me up for success, but I feel like a lot of my, who I am today is because I just went out and learn it by myself. And I think that's why they also don't know me really well until recently because I le learned and grew so much solo. Same here, man. Same here. Because like you said, your parents set you up for success, but then everything else was on me. And I think that's why I'm so different from not just my parents, but also from my siblings. Because I got two sisters and they're completely, they're the complete opposite of who I am because they didn't want to do that part they didn't do that that area that that work that, that yeah, you know it's a grind the, man it's a grind and you got to do it to be honest to get somewhere you cannot just focus on what's been handed to you whether it's financial and also the educational side of things you got to grind it out to grow as a person so yeah i had to go through the whole thing like i said when i moved out i had to unlearn everything or most things and relearn them through my lens. And it's a blessing to be honest. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Hi man. Before I let you go, I'd like for you to, to close this episode actually. Tell me whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind right now. Yeah, I mean, I think number one, I wanna say thank you TK. It was such a pleasure and a privilege 
to be honest, to have the opportunity to meet a fellow diplomater and uh, <laughs> connect and share stories. And it's something that, I mean, let's stay in touch offline after this, but I uh, definitely would love to maybe, maybe we have you on, on the challenger one and we have my brother there too. And we just, the three of us just bouncing crazy diplomat stories and experiences because I feel like talking and communicating is the way we grow and we realize things and hearing other people's stories and other people's perspectives makes you start opening your eyes to other avenues. So what do I mean by that? I know that I thought the world worked a certain way until, you know, just like you, a certain age, and then you start exploring it by yourself and you start figuring out things and you start improving yourself and you're like, oh man, there's just so much more. And I think a lot of people just aren't willing to leave their safety net. Like for example, I always preach people should leave their hometown because it's the best thing you can do for yourself. You know, Get away from the comfort, rebrand yourself, start fresh, be you. And that's really the thing like, it's there's going to be struggles for everyone there's going to be struggles there's going to be problems that come up in life but at the end of the day you got to remember positivity perspective you got to be honest stop caring what people think and just put in the work always be improving i think that's that's the thing that is the theme from you and i like our the diplomat life like we had a lot of challenges that we had to overcome and here we are and i think everyone can do it it's just they have to take that first step so Check out Challenger, the podcast. It's all about becoming exceptional. And we talk more about these things and share stories. But at the end of the day, it's just getting people that mental, like you said, clarity, very similar to this guy here is doing. And it's just such an awesome thing to see a fellow person doing that. Because at the end of the day, I think the world would be such a better place if everyone had this kind of mindset. It would be beautiful to live in a world where everyone could talk freely like this and they're not worried about how am I going to look for my Instagram followers? And I can't say that I can't post that and they can be their authentic selves and we can all be happy and honest with each other. So appreciate you guys checking out. We're on all the podcast directories. We're also on YouTube. C-H-J-M-I-N-G-E-R, Chaminger. Check us out. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So next time. Cheers. <laughs>